Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans. It's time for Fighter's Fury. Inside the heart of a champion. With your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. Welcome on, everybody. Fighter's Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Uh, giving you an updated version of the podcast today. I was out on su- Sunday. I was so sick this weekend man uh just have had this cough that i can't shake and you know needed the weekend off so uh we were a little outdated on what ran on sunday morning for those of you who don't know why isn't he talking about daniel cormier or any of the things that happened on saturday night uh why you know why isn't he discussing the ronda rousey rumors wasn't feeling well ran what we had to run feeling better now so let's get into it i mean this was you know we had so much happening over this weekend, this was a this, what I thought was going to be a pretty quiet weekend, which is why I felt good about um, you know rolling with uh, a segment that I did on Friday was because I didn't think that much was going on. You know, we had UFC in Charlotte, had ourselves an HBO card where you had Lucas Matisse getting himself a knockout win. Um, you had uh, Jorge Linares looking really good, and you know, fun card on HBO. As far as the UFC on Fox, which I I got to be honest with you, completely caught me by surprise. I was like, first of all, normally if a card is is not that publicized, it's for sure an FS1 card. The fact that it was a Fox card um, just shook me to my core that it was that quick around. But Jacare Souza, he comes up with a big first round knockout win, head kick, uh, follows it up, quick stoppage. Maybe I mean it looked like Derek uh, Derek Brunson was pretty out of it, pretty out of it. So Jacare gets himself a win, wins the the rematch against these guys against Derek Brunson, and uh, I would say puts himself back into the fold at what happens at middleweight. Middleweight's in a weird place right now. Look, we're at this point where Robert Whitaker has a staff infection. It's apparently gotten to his organs, so you don't know how serious that is. It doesn't sound great. And we have this upcoming fight in Australia, which was supposed to be a big coming out for him. He's going to fight in his native land and, and and defend his belt. And instead, it's it's Yoel Romero. And shout out to Yoel. We know we, we love him on the show. Been on the show before. Luke Rockhold, same deal. Training down here now. Great matchup. I love the fight. Um, but obviously puts the middleweight division in, in a bit of flux. And now you have a bit of the old guard back on top where... Middleweight is, you know, Weidman, Jacare, Luke Rockhold, Yoel Romero, Kelvin Gaston, I guess, is in there as well right now. And then uh, and then the rest. So we'll uh, we'll see what 2018 turns into, but a uh, very, very entertaining win for Jacare. Um, rest of the card was okay. It was an okay card. I didn't think anything really stood out too much from it. I only caught the the main portion of it on Saturday night. Um but obviously, the the main eventer Jacare was the uh, was the guy who really stole the show that night. But the big news that came out this uh, this past week, I thought, obviously, um, the biggest piece of news was Daniel Cormier is taking on 
Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight championship. And that's awesome. You know, we talked a little bit about this. Um, would he, wouldn't he pull the trigger on that move? And, you know, it's Seaman Tommy Guns and I were all talking. We're like, man, you know, I get the loyalty to Cain Velasquez. I get it. But you don't got that much time left. It's not like you're going to stick around and be at heavyweight forever. You've been pretty firm that you're going to retire next year. Take this last bullet and fire it, man. Go. People want to see this fight. They need it. They need something fresh at heavyweight. You know, it's been the it's been the Fabricio Verdum dance for a while. Alistair Overeem. Now Francis Ngannou. He has a lot of remaking to do. And with Kane, hey, Kane Velasquez has not fought in forever. We don't know if he could get through a training camp healthy. How could you possibly invest in making that fight happen? So, it really, if you take away the friendship, is an obvious move to make. It's as obvious as it gets when it comes to these two. But, you got it. Like, DC's a loyal guy, and and Kane bringing him into the fold a little bit, into the sport, training partners, friends, I get it. But, you got to make that fight if 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 you're the UFC. Not only does Daniel have an opportunity to win this fight, a fight I think he can win, but he is now in a, in a situation where he gets to, to really depart from that John Jones legacy, you know? And if he does want to stick around for one more fight, and he does want the John Jones fight again, if he beats Stipe, he can go fight John Jones at heavyweight, or... If he doesn't beat Stipe, one more shot at John Jones. So if you're DC and you're looking to get out of this thing with a couple big paydays to end your career, you got the Stipe fight, and you got two things that are going to happen. You're either going to beat him, and you can fight John Jones at heavyweight. You can beat him, or you can fight Stipe in a rematch, or you beat him, or you or you lose to him, and you go back and you defend your belt against John Jones. I, I think it's a win-win-win for, for DC as possible. Cain Velasquez even came out, and he says that, hey, if he wins the belt, things are going to get interesting. And I do think that Cain Velasquez in the in this calendar year now needs to get himself a win to put himself back in not necessarily title contention because, look, he's a former reigning heavyweight champion. It's not a thick division. I think if Cain Velasquez wants a title fight, Cain Velasquez gets a title fight. But there needs to be that, that proving, that show-me mode to the promoters that you can get through it healthy. And him versus DC, that's big drama too. So I just I just think it's the smart move. Does it put 205 in a weird spot? Yeah, but 205 is in the spot where it's full of a lot of veterans. You know, I saw Alexander Gustafson was like, you know, hope this news about DC isn't true. You know, my belt. You know, Gustafson's gotten a couple cracks at the belt. Nobody should be nobody should be sitting here, you know, crying for Alexander. He's a great fighter. Um, you know, had his own little hiatus from the sport where people thought he was going to retire. So have some fights at 205, and, and let's clean that out a little bit and, and figure things out. I don't think it's 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 that bad for 205 to have a little bit of a smoothing out process. And look, if, if the worst is, that comes out of it is, let's say DC, let's say this is his last, last fight. He loses the belt. And if John comes back, because all the rumors are John's going to come back, it's not going to be that big of a suspension. He comes back, and then you have Gus versus J- John Bones Jones. Who doesn't want to see that fight? It was one of the best fights you've ever seen. So... I really don't think this this move has a lot of negatives to it. I'm very, very much for it. I want to go to this fight. This is, I mean, it, it, for me, you want to pull out all the what are super fights, what are super fights you can make. Uh, the, the term has become so loose at this moment between, you know, like 
People say, oh, Tyron taking on a Diaz, bro. That's a super fight. No, 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 no. This is a super fight. Former Strike Force heavyweight champion, never lost at heavyweight. Um, you know, reigning light heavyweight champion, only losses are to John Jones, taking on the guy with the most title defenses in UFC history at heavyweight. This is a super fight. Bonafide. Um, should be big business. Sounds like they're gonna stack it up with some with some uh some big fights as well. Possibly Amanda Nunes versus Cyborg, possibly um Mighty Mouse Johnson against TJ Dillashaw. Um, so yeah, there's going to be a lot of champions versus champions and that comes with its negatives, but it is going to have a blockbuster feel for that night. There's no doubt about that. And I love it. Uh, I'm glad they're making this fight. Um, and I think DC can win. I don't know if I want to pick him yet, but I think he can win. I I definitely think there's a, there's definitely a path to victory here for Daniel Cormier and I'd like to see it. It's just simply because, you know, we just saw Sipe, he... Took Francis into deep waters, but it, he did, he was never able to finish him, and he was very tired dealing with a guy of Francis's size. Now that's the big X factor there. Francis is a lot bigger than DC, but DC is about as good a wrestler as it gets, and DC breaks people, and it's not quite the overwhelming size difference that John is compared. Like Steve Bay is what six three six four, so he's that height, but not quite the reach. Not quite the difficulties and danger that you have walking through those leg kicks. It's pretty much dealing with his hands for the most part. Um, I just don't think it's as dangerous a fight for DC as fighting John Jones is. But we'll talk more into it as as the fight closes in. The other big news that came out Monday or, or late Sunday, early into Monday, Ronda Rousey makes her WWE debut. She was at the Royal Rumble. She came in after the Women's Royal Rumble was decided. Uh, Asuka, I think, is the one who won. Maybe it's Asuka. I forget. Zaslow told me during the morning show. I forgot. Um, and so she's full-time. Full-time WWE now. Did some uh, interview with Ramona afterwards. Still doesn't want to talk about the losses. Not not into talking about her defeats. Just too hard for her. Um, you know, I have my buddy. My buddy's uh, talking about this with me. Just like, yeah, she's a fraud. She's going to fighting. There's a lot of saltiness I sense around the mixed martial arts community. For Ronda, the way she went out, not speaking to reporters, hasn't spoken to a a sports reporter that's not Ramona Shelburne in about two years. So I get why a great chunk of the mixed martial arts community and fans have turned on Ronda. But from my standpoint, Ronda's Teflon. And I don't ever want to hear people say that she's a fraud or that she wasn't great or wasn't awesome or didn't dazzle us or wasn't a great attraction in the octagon. She was. She was in there. She was bowling through people. She was breaking arms. She had a signature mo- uh, a signature move. Everybody knew it was coming. Nobody could stop it. Um, beat a former champion in Misha Tate multiple times. Um, beat a former Olympian. You know, beat a very, very strong contender in Kat Zingano. I, I, I think she has really good wins on her resume. And let's not forget the most important part, and I think everybody should remember this. This is a person who went from a cocktail waitress, you know, living out of her car for for a time and broke the ceiling on women getting into the UFC. Dana White said it was never going to happen. He saw Ronda Rousey, saw a dynamic athlete, also had the whole package, good looking, you know, somebody could very, very much market. And with that came with high expectations. You think about a lot of people they've tried to do this with. 
Paige Van Zant, Sage Northcutt, doesn't always work out that the Golden Boys or Golden Women are able to come through with the results. And Ronda was. And that's not a case of her being protected. You got to remember, you know, this Holly Holm, when she fought her, biggest underdog ever in a title fight. Uh, nobody thought she had a chance. Nobody really thought she deserved the title shot. It's just kind of, this is what it ended up being. And then everybody afterwards is like, oh, the game has passed Ronda by. No. Made a mistake. Somebody Taylor made for her. And and she got knocked the bleep out. It happens to the best of people in the sport. Um, you know, you want to look into the second fight, the second loss to Amanda Nunes, and say that was gone about the whole way. Never really got over the first loss. Reportedly didn't spar for that fight with Amanda. Yeah, mentally, you could say that she was probably shook going into that fight or wasn't set up right for success in that fight. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, poo-poo that. I think there's some legit legitimacy to that. But look, man, her importance to getting women to this stage, it can't, it can't be just brushed aside. It can't be because she took a couple, a couple losses. This isn't the sport for that. This isn't the sport for people take a couple losses. And 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 you you say they were frauds or brushed aside forever. That's that's not mixed martial arts. That's not the UFC. That's not how that's supposed to roll. Um, and and good for her. Good for her getting to do this opportunity with WWE. Um, I think it'll be fun, and we'll see how this pans out. I hope they use her like Brock Lesnar. Like don't talk much. Um, I I don't know if she has the uh, microphone charisma, you know, to be the female version of The Rock or anything like that. You know, based on some things with uh, seeing SNL and whatnot, or some of her wrestling promos, but I think if you make her just the ultimate unstoppable force, I think that definitely is marketable. I think people will love it. Seemed like some fans were getting behind her yesterday. Uh, I think it'll be fun. So it's cool. Shout out to Ronda Rousey, and um, we'll look forward to watching it and see what the crossover is. Left the door open for a return. I'm not quite sold that Ronda Rousey's done with mixed martial arts. I'm really not. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a very, very long time before we see her again, but I wouldn't, I'm not ruling out the fact that she fights again. I really am. I'm not. Um, and I think it'll be a big deal. I think people will care when she fights again. Her reaction this is a guy who watches a, a lot of fights publicly in bars, in crowds when she fights, uh, non-scientific or whatnot, but it, when she fights, it was something different from when other guys are fighting. You know, the women in the bar, they care a different way. My wife doesn't have many uh, what she calls girl crushes, but she loves her some Ronda Rousey and was, and was bummed out when she lost. Um, she has she has an electricity and an attraction to a grand fan base that others have not been able to connect with, and and that's pretty cool. So. That was the the rundown from the weekend. We have a couple of interviews you guys will hear on this podcast. Peter Kahn, local boxing manager, very interesting guy, connected a lot of ways in the sport. You guys will hear that conversation. And we also heard from the great Layla Ali. There was also a bit of a mess up on Sunday. I don't know whom it was on at the radio station, but um, did not air as it was supposed to air yesterday. I will, uh, I will play it cool as far as why it didn't. But for those tuning in today, here is uh, you guys will get to hear Layla Ali throw some. Uh, I don't want to say she throws some shade at at uh, Clarissa Shields. Clarissa Shields claims that Layla Ali threw some shade at her with an interview with the Breakfast Club. And when we got to speak with Layla, we broke that news to her that that Clarissa had took that 
took that interview poorly. And so you'll hear her response from that. It's very, very uh, fun and interesting. So everybody enjoy the rest of the episode. We'll be back same time, same place next week. 10 a.m. on Sunday, Fighters Fury back live in the saddle next week. But you guys can enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading the podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, guys, welcome back. Fighters Fury. Very excited to be joined by our next guest. He's connected in every single way into the boxing landscape. He's got his fingerprints all over the map. Peter Kahn, local down here. He's been managing fighters for uh, a number of years now, Peter. You're, you're, you're kind of in the midst of with all promoters, all ends of the earth. You know, we were speaking, you're on each different time zone. It's like your clock doesn't stop all single day. So it's fascinating to get you in here because I don't think people get to hear maybe this, this side of the, uh, the, the business or how things go. So I guess I want to start here. When, you're, when your day is starting, because I think a lot of things from a fight fan's perspective is, well, how come things don't get done? How come things aren't done in a timely manner? What's making things go wrong? Uh, like, why don't we get a Triple G Canelo when we want it? Why don't we get a Deontay Wilder Anthony Joshua when we want it? Why, why are there all these things that, 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 uh, that get in the way? So I guess give me, uh, from your perspective, the I guess number one headache that can cause maybe fights to not go the way we probably want them to go or not be in the timely manner. Like how does how do you, from your perspective, see those things unfold? So that's a great question. And and first and foremost, thanks for having me on the show. A uh, big fan. Uh, listen to you often, and um, I'm I'm glad that I'm here. So it's a great question because, like you said, I'm constantly trying to make fights for the fighters that I manage. And timing is the most frustrating aspect. And you got to look at it this way. At the championship level, uh, most fighters can't fight more than three times per year. Like, if you're talking even in the heavyweight division or the lighter divisions, three times a year is, is pretty much the max. So with that being said, like, all the stars have to fall into alignment. Number one, you don't want to have a competing show against another show. Right. So, I mean, we can all look at Mayweather McGregor and Triple G Canelo. Uh, I've never seen anyone more upset in the history of boxing than Oscar De La Hoya. Oh, yeah. You know, and I just interviewed him. I also write for Forbes, the boxing for Forbes. Gotcha. And Oscar and I spent some time together uh, about a month ago, and uh, and we did a uh, like a 20-minute sit-down, very casual, but he was still heated. I think he said uh, that uh, they were basically wanted to rain on his parade. So uh, to that point, everything has to fall into alignment. A, the fighters have to be in rhythm in their fighting rhythm. They, right. they like like you have Joshua and Parker coming up and it works because neither of them are just coming off a fight. They've both been somewhat inactive to an extent to where they're able to settle on this March 31st date. But then you have to get the television date to be in alignment. So whether that's going to be HBO or Showtime and from what I understand, uh the US distribution has not been finalized yet. Really? So well, you know, Eddie Hearn uh, of Matchroom has been working with both HBO and Showtime. Yep. So he's been doing a lot of Showtime with Joshua and with uh, in Sheffield in past May with Kell Brook uh, and a number of other fighters. But he also now has a relationship that he's been cultivating with HBO through Danny Jacobs. Right, right, right. And as I told you, not that I'm proud of this, but my, my light heavyweight Trent Broadhurst uh, was on the wrong end of a first-round KO loss to Dimitri Bevel uh, in Monaco, and that was on HBO. So you have the the activity of the fighters, right, having to to pick a date that works so that they can both have a proper camp. Uh, because remember, they need a certain amount of lead time. 
Heavyweights, not so much because they don't have to make weight. But on the smaller weight classes, guys, part of it. These guys have to time that out. Well, then it has to match up with a TV date that two promoters, sometimes they go head-to-head because they have no choice, but you really don't want to cannibalize your audience. So that's another factor. Well, and then let's get down to the, the big factor, money. Sure, sure. It all comes down to money. Anthony Joshua has been putting 90-plus thousand people at Wembley, 70-plus thousand people at Cardiff. They're making money. you know. So Eddie's able to kind of dictate and, and drive the narrative there. I want to get to, let me get your perspective on this. So I, I find fascinating right now how popular boxing seems across the seas. It seems monstrous in Britain, the way they're able to fill an arena. You know, for example, we go for, for our station, we go to some of the fights around here, and I thought one of the best fights we could have made this year was uh, was Sergey Kovalev versus Andre Ward. Two guys, top of their game. Uh, one guy's a bleep-talking Russian. One guy's an American Olympian. It has all of the things I would think a promoter would want for a fight to line up perfectly. And yet, it's it's downgraded to the Mandalay Bay, if you will, for their for their rematch, which was a controversial first fight. And I'm just like, man, I, if this isn't a commercial success, what is going to be a commercial success in boxing? Because it feels like it has all the ingredients. Whereas across the seas, it's like, man, Anthony Joshua could probably can't walk the streets and not get stopped. Whereas over here, I think probably Deontay Wilder could. He could probably, other than his height, could probably go a lot of places, and people just might say. Oh, what what sport do you play? Do you, are, no, I'm the heavyweight champion right. in the world. It's a, in a weird spot. So let's take your your first point with Ward Kovalev. And you're right. The I the anticipation for the first fight, right, wanting to see that matchup was this was a fight fans fight. Not only a fight fans fight. This was like a fight industry person's fight. Like I want. I don't watch every fight. Like, I don't, you know, I like to spend time with my family. I like to do other stuff. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. I, I can't sit, always sit and watch fights. But I wanted to see this fight, and I did. And I, I made a point of being home. I wanted to focus on it. And and I wasn't disappointed. Like, that first fight I thought was a really good fight. The problem is, is that Andre Ward, phenomenal fighter, one of the best ever, great fighter, Kovalev, great fighter, not good marketers, not good self-promoters. Mm. So... They they don't have that megaphone, whether it's on social media, whether it's uh, just you know their personality. But here's the other thing, and I never like to throw anyone under the bus. However, in in this case, um, it wasn't so much main events uh, issue. Rock Nation, Rock think? Nation. Okay, so I, I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say. Don't all worry right, about so that. so you know, here's the thing, um, and I and I. You know, spoke spoke to Michael Yormark in advance of the rematch, and I tried to do them a favor where I wrote an article as part of my Forbes column how the sponsors are the big winners in the Ward Kovalev rematch. There was no doubt that we were all anticipating it as from a fight fan's perspective, but they fell short on the promotional end. Hmm. They didn't do all that they can do to drive foot traffic, and uh, HBO, HBO does what they do. I mean, they don't change the method in which they promote a fight. So they did their job, right? Twenty four seven is always usually edited, amazing. It's, it's, it's always well put together. I love, I love it. F- the fighters did their job, okay. Then you have to leave it up to the promoter. And Ward was with Rock Nation, who was the lead promoter in this scenario. And it really comes down to it being up to them. So in that sense, just as the first part, you know, I think that it could have been promoted better. 
Um, and it's not the first time that we've seen great matchups go fall under the radar. But here's the other thing. I think that we were treated to so many great fights in 2017. Mm-hmm. It truly was a turning point again in the sport. Yes. You know, it's peaks and valleys. Everyone always says to me, oh, MMA is, is just devouring boxing. Well, look, MMA and the UFC in, in particular had a great bump in the early 2000s um, with the launch of the Ultimate Fighter mm-hmm. and the, the revamped and rebranded UFC. Look, who's going to deny that? No one. It was great. But peaks and valleys. Boxing had a good 100-year run before that. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that the fights have gotten better. There's been more competitive fights. I mean, we have some really good fighters, a lot of talent across the divisions. I think it's at a point right now, I've been more excited about the young crop that we have right now than I have been in a long time. And it does go in peaks and valleys. It goes from year to year. Like, I'll tell you, you know, as a guy who covers both sports for, for this show... If I were to just put it from an entertainment standpoint, I've been saying it, I would say it all throughout week in and week out. I said, boxing's having a fantastic year. UFC, not so much. I mean, they had a good late run at the end of the year. Right. But as far as, as far as if you were to look at it from, from post to post with, you know, no McGregor being in the octagon, uh, with John Jones getting suspended and having that top moment, with Ronda Rousey not being there after, like, they had a tough year. It does. The fight game, there's stuff, stuff you can't control. But with boxing, it just seemed like, Man, you had the Joshua Klitschko fight so early on, just got the momentum going. The heavyweight division, there's actual, you can see it almost playing out almost tournament style with how it's coming together. Oh, I mean, it seems like it's a, a lead up to Joshua Wilder. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's saying, right? That's the what thing, you're hoping. Well, you're hoping, but look, as a as a fan and as someone, I always feel if you're a puncher, you always have a chance. And I think Joseph Parker has a chance. I, I don't necessarily think he's going to beat Anthony Joshua, but he certainly has a chance because I still am yet convinced that I can that I've seen Joshua eat a big punch. The one time he got in trouble, he got knocked down. Right. And if it wasn't for his resilience and a combination of uh, Vladimir Klitschko's age, I think that fight would have gone the other way. But to your second point earlier about uh, about people walking down the street and recognizing fighters, yes. Anthony Joshua can't go anywhere in the UK and in most parts of the world. Even here, I would think that boxing fans would recognize him immediately. Um, We don't have that in the heavyweight division, but let's be real. We certainly had that with Floyd Mayweather. Mm -hmm. Certainly had that with Manny Pacquiao. Yep. I mean, these guys were. And so it just it depends on the weight class. So there are those superstars. Remember, uh, two percent of the fighters make, you know, the majority of the money in the sport. So. You know, there are so many good up-and-coming fighters, uh, and I think the biggest compliment that UFC fans and UFC, uh, you know, uh, fighters and, and participants should look at is the fact that Dana White wants to start promoting boxing. And that's not just rumor or talk. I know this for a fact mm-hmm. because he's interested in a couple of my fighters. Really? Yes. So I know that he wants to build a stable. What do you think that is? Do you think that's... The money. It is the money, like, because I'm just confused, like, because Dana's got to this point where he built up the UFC, he ended up selling it, people are kind of confused on what his role is still with the UFC, does he want, like, his own almost baby to make again, and, like, I understand, like, he's super, I imagine he's amazingly wealthy from his piece of the UFC sale. Of course. But, what was that, four and a half billion? Yeah, so, but, but listen, even he- still, like, that's, I'm sure a guy like that, it never goes away, and, and it almost maybe wants something new to create again, I don't know. Look, I, I know the history behind the UFC and and when I think it was Bob Meyerowitz 
I think that was his yes. name from from Long Island, yep, and yep, he, yep. he sold. He was selling it. Interestingly enough, there was a guy down here, Dan Lambert, who owns American Top Team, yep. who uh, was the original had the original contract on the UFC, and he let the Fertitta brothers uh, run with it, and he just you know, uh, long story, but I'm going to give you the short version. So. Back then, uh, I was at a rules meeting. Um, I had Devaral Williamson fighting Vladimir Klitschko. I think this was like in 2004 at Caesars outside. And then I had Sid Vanderpool fighting Jeff Lacey on the same Showtime card for the IBF Super Middleweight title. Gotcha. And so I had two of those TV fights. And we're at the rules meeting. Mark Ratner was still the uh, commissioner for Nevada. And, you know, they do the traditional, uh, you know, the the appointment of the, the judges. And this is the referee. And do you have any... You know, do you protest? Are you okay? You know, it's just a formality, but you have to be present. Gotcha. Uh, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, to my left, uh, so then Mark Ratner says, does anybody have any other business that they want to discuss? Because it's an open meeting to the public. And a uh, guy next to me stands up, says, my name is Lorenzo Fertitta, and I own a company called uh, Ultimate Fighting Championship, and uh, I'm respectfully requesting that uh, you don't make the results public, because, you know, results are public knowledge the next day uh because we're doing this reality show and i remember like looking up at him as i'm sitting there and i'm listening to him talk about this and i'm thinking this is gonna be really big like that wow. they're, you know that this is gonna like he explained basically the first season of the ultimate fighter gotcha. before it actually aired because he had he needed permission that the results wouldn't be released otherwise it would ruin so the whole TV show, the show. Yeah. and from that point it exploded dana white did a great job it just it, it exploded i mean it was the biggest thing and at the time boxing it's sort of kind of maybe die, went in one of those valleys, and I think it was just a perfect storm. But, I mean, look, they built the UFC into this mega powerhouse of its of an industry in itself. They went and bought they bought all the competition. Remember, Pride was still competitive. Sure. They bought Pride. I'm not even a UFC guy. I just, I mean, you know, this well, is... Well, it's a fascinating part I, of the business. Right, sure. it's fascinating because you watch them build something that was basically, people call it defunct, right? They build this brand. They make it a worldwide phenomenon. Um, but... It's different than boxing because they didn't have competition. Competition drives the price. So a guy who's on the fighter's side, as you are uh, representing them, what do you make now of more guys getting into the game? And Eddie Hearn, who's trying to get into the the American landscape. Dana White, who's trying to put his foot mm-hmm. in the water with the top ranks, with the Golden Boys. Is that sure. better for the fighters that, that we have all this? Or is it going to separate guys? Because it, it felt like... You know, it felt like a couple of years ago, like, okay, they were going to be on national television. This is going to be great, but felt like they were keeping all those PBC guys away right. from each other. And, and it felt like we were hoping that there were going to be more fan, uh, fan-friendly fights, but it almost felt like the segregation almost got uh, more divisive in the fight game. Well, look, that's what a lot of people uh, are concerned about right now in the welterweight division because you have the WBO title uh, with Jeff Horn, yep. and he's fighting Terrence Crawford. Uh, I'm friends with Jeff. I love Jeff, but I don't see any way that – that he beats Terrence Crawford. It's a tough one. Uh, it's 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 just Terrence Crawford's a special fighter. I think he's going to be stronger at 47. Um, but then the rest of the guys are with Al Heyman. Okay, Errol Spence, uh, Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia, Sean Porter, uh, Lamont Peterson, who Spence just fought, uh, and then a number of other guys. So Al, which understandably, okay, he's recycling all of his guys and they're fighting each other. But these are guys at the top level. But you know what? They've already fought each other enough. Okay. So eventually you're going to need to have some new people. So to your point and concern is that we, you know, we wonder, can Bob Arum and PBC 
slash Al Heyman make a deal so that we can unify that welterweight division, right. which would be unbelievable. With that, with the amount of talent to be able to see that happen, to have maybe a Terrence Crawford and a Errol oh, Spence, I think it's kind of owed to the fans. Definitely. So I do think, you know, I worked for Don King for a long time, and people, there was a time when him and Bob Aaron would never work. Well, guess what? All of a sudden, uh, De La Hoya and Trinidad fought, and that kind of opened the door again. I think actually Chavez and De La Hoya fought first, and I think in the end, money talks. Sure. And the fans, you know, want to see something. I don't think that it's going to get in the way because, um, you know, c- promoters are competitive, but they're in this to make a living. I mean, they're in this to make money. So everything's a negotiation. So I do think that the more, uh, and, and television dictates a lot of that narrative as well. And if HBO and Showtime, who are still the big players, and now ESPN with all the dates they've given Top Rank and, ESP, and uh, uh, Golden Boy, they also have a say. They have to see a lot of people don't realize this. Um, Peter Nelson and Steven Espinosa, mm-hmm. they have the final say on these fights. They have to approve these fights. Yeah, because it's their TV show. So then it? what you have is you have guys like me, managers who are constantly emailing and texting and <laughs> hey, you know, can you did you are you gonna approve so and so for because I could be talking to I'll give you an example. I I won't say the fighter that I have, but because I you know, I don't want to say that he got denied by HBO to fight for the, the Demetrius Andrade. But he got turned down, and he's a top 10-rated junior middleweight. Okay. And uh, HBO didn't approve him for the broadcast. W- when, when that you, cost me and my fighter a lot of money and from your because the promoter wanted the fight. And from, from from your standpoint, when you get those, when they get denied, what's the reasoning behind it to be on the part? Hey, look, just, I'm it, not going to ever say... Is it mostly they don't feel it it's going to be? T- is it want to protect a, their other entity? What no, do you they don't. They don't. Oh, no, they, they would. I mean, they don't think it would be appealing to the viewership really and that's their opinion i can't tell them how to do their job i mean obviously i think all my fighters should be on television i would be an insane person if i didn't right why would i manage a fighter that i don't think should be on television or that has world championship potential like all my guys are in that environment um and then you know you have the flip side of it like for instance my my undefeated super featherweight Saul rodriguez i have him with mayweather right uh it's really hard to find him opponents at this point and so now we're in this mode where guys either price themselves out because they don't, you know, 20 wins, 15 KOs, they don't want to get knocked out. And if they do, they want to get paid really well. Uh, then you have the issue of the commission uh, approving. I mean, we can't get an opponent for his fight on February 17th because he either doesn't get approved by by the commission in Nevada or guys price themselves out. So then we can't put him on television. Why would Leonard LRB put him on television against an opponent? You know what I mean? Like it would have to be television friendly. I understand. It's so it's it, you got to find it's it's almost you got to find the right mix of exactly marketability, but also competitiveness. It's got to be, and that's it's 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 that it's almost goes back to our first point of the of the segment where it's like you got to find that right mix of timing, marketing, money. It all benefits. Well, yeah. So so the fan looks at it like you know everyone's crazy. They're not doing their job. This is ridiculous. But it, there's so many things that go into it. So when when Eddie announced when Eddie Hearn announced that Kell Brook was going to be fighting at super middleweight right and mm-hmm. he announced a date I immediately of course said how about so-and-so and he said I'm not going to say who because then you know I don't want to but it'll say but he said I, I need someone easier first gotcha for the first fight for him at 54 um and then I went back at him with somebody else and you know he pawns it off on the trainer he's like Virgil's, the got Virgil's picking the that's uh, interesting so now you got the trainer so I have an undefeated uh lightweight 
that's also top five in the world. And even working with trainers, like I called Abel Sanchez and I'm like, would you like to work with so-and-so? You know, I'll send him up to Big Bear. And then it's like, there's all these stipulations. The father can't be involved. I need to have this. I need to have it like that. He can come out for three to four weeks. Let's see if there's a chemistry. All the ego massaging you got to do. Yeah, but it's just the way that it is. And so what happens is it's all of these things. You know, at the end of the day, this is a really tough sport. Like, it's very... It's unforgiving. Al- it's also a tough thing, as I gotta imagine, for fighters because we're in this day and age where the fans have such a direct pipeline to the guys. Yeah, and a lot of the times, you know, they get called out, and these are the, you know, these are some of the hardest individuals you'll meet. They get abused on social media, right? By and anyone by saying you're a coward, oh. you're scared, you won't do this, and you think, right. like, man, think about <laughs> the depths they've gone to to get where they are, and they're getting to even called. be in that conversation, right? So Chris Van Heerden, my my welterweight who you might remember from the, the uh, uh, McGregor sparring. Exactly. Incident. So Chris tape incident. It's not like right. there was an incident. It's just for those who don't remember from the McGregor buildup, it was this, the first leak tape of McGregor tape, uh, a McGregor training boxing came out and he was given the work to, it appeared he was given the work to, uh, to Peter's fighter, Chris Van Heerden. And it, it didn't turn out to be, that was that, uh, that the, the right. optics weren't right. exactly Chris what toyed being with him. In. Yeah, Chris toyed with him, but understandably so. Chris is, Chris is a, a welterweight with one loss on his record in 2015. Right. In over 20-some heights. The only, you know, he's only has one loss. You know it's to? Errol Spence. I mean, it's, it's not a bad guy to lose to. Definitely not. And, and in a 10-round fight, the referee stopped it in the eighth, but Chris wasn't knocked out. He wasn't down, but, you know, he needed a knockout to win, and it wasn't happening. Chris gave... Errol spends a better fight, in my opinion, than Lamont Peterson and, and Kelbrook. Okay, so to the Peterson point, uh, Van Heerden, because of this McGregor thing, it gave him a platform. They, he was on TMZ, he was on ESPN Sports Center. They, you know, people wanted to talk to him. He took that opportunity to call out Lamont Peterson, Lamont Peterson, Lamont Peterson, because Peterson had the interim WBA welterweight belt at that time. Right. You know, Chris is just Peterson, Peterson calling him out. Lamont doesn't do anything on social media, doesn't respond, nothing, you know, all this time goes by, and of course he ends up fighting Spence, and we saw how that went. And, and look, that's just a tough, it's a tough fight. The only person, like I was telling you, I think before we spoke, the only person that I could see being competitive with him would be Terrence Crawford. I mean, I think Spence beats Thurman. I think he beats Porter, he Garcia. He incredible. I mean, watching what, and it's so, it's, it's, it's a thing with him where you watch him and it seems effortless. Yeah. But it's it, you could just tell how damaging he is to guys. It's just the buildup it is. It's 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 it was beautiful to watch last week. I was in Sheffield, uh, just a few feet from the ring when he fought Kelbrook when he won the title. His punches are thunderous. It's like he is very strong. He's a very like he's a very strong welterweight. He is a he has a, such a high boxing IQ. He's so composed. He is very methodical. He does all the right things. And I'm imagining he has a good chin. I, I don't know if he's been tested yet, yeah. but but he just is he's so relaxed and not phased uh that um I, I really don't see anyone giving him trouble like in the near future, except maybe Crawford, who's got that mentality to probably make a really good fight of it. Well, let me ask you, so if you were if you're in a guy like Errol Spence right now and he's they're doing they're doing all the right things with him, he's young. He's he's a very exciting style. What do you think it is to get guys to? I guess I guess the only classification is like superstar level. Like, how does it take that? Ju- what what is it that makes that jump? Because remember watching 
you know, Floyd was in the sport for so long. Like, the jump for him really didn't happen e- even until later in his career. He put so much time into it. And then it took the De La Hoya fight, and then, boom, it was, so, it was next level. So I was talking to Leonard LRB yesterday about that because we're talking about the fighter that I manage that they have. Uh, they're the promoter. So it's a team effort. You know what I mean? Like, it's a team effort because we all have the same goal in mind. Obviously, I'm the go-between between my fighter and them. But in the end, we have the same goal. We want him to be a world champion. We want him to make a lot of money. Right. And we want him to win and, and you know, all those other things that go along with it. And so Leonard and I were talking because there's just this strategy that takes place. And so we ended up talking about, for a minute, um, I was telling him, for me, the fight that was a statement fight for Floyd, where he went from, we knew he was a great fighter, but to that next level was the Corrales fight. Okay. In the ease of which people thought Corrales was going to get him, and, and Floyd dismantled him, right? I mean, do you remember that fight against Diego? Yep, I mean, Floyd sure. dismantled him. and. And so, yeah, so there are defining fights, and I think for Spence, he needs that defining fight. So Peterson was a good step in that direction. Look, he beat Kell Brook. Kell Brook was, is, is no walkover. No, I mean, not. Kell Brook is a good fighter, and he's heavy-handed, too. I don't know. This is not—I I, I know today, uh, you know, uh, or this week, Showtime is, is going to be announcing their fights— uh, for uh, whether it's the first quarter or big fights for the year. I have a feeling that we're going to see Spence and Thurman definitely in 2018. Um, and I think that if Crawford uh, beats Horn um, as as anticipated, um, I really believe that we can end up seeing this unification in the in the welterweight division. Uh, so we, we might have a unified heavyweight champion, might have a unified welterweight champion. Um, there's going to be the Canelo-Triple-G rematch, Yep. Uh, I guess in May. Is that right? May? Yeah, May. Yeah. I was talking to Oscar. Well, that's said, what they're hoping. May. Who knows? Oh, no, like, I, he I, come, I, he yeah. comes out. He's like, nah, it's not done yet. But then like, if somebody in his company is like, no, 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 it's done. It's like, so, who knows? Well, I sat down with Oscar, and I and, and my gut is that it's going to end up at Madison Square Garden. Really? It's my gut. Based, cool. based on our conversation, he said they really, really wanted it. Um, but it might, as well, it might end up in Las Vegas. But those are those things, that the timing of things. things. I yep. mean- you know, for Mayweather McGregor to happen, they had to pay, uh, they had to give step aside money to, um, what was the basketball? Oh, the big three. Uh, Ice Cube. The big I mean, three. Come on. How do you get, I want that job. I just want to have the job where you get a date and someone has to pay you a lot of money to step aside. Yeah, would you mind just going across the street? Would you, would you mind? That you know, was... but it's just, you know, it's like, what I'm saying is all those things have to play into it, right? And so, um, uh, the other thing is that boxing in the past year and, and moving into 18 on a worldwide scale has has flourished. Like you said, the UK, um, boxing's on fire. Uh, in Russia, box, I mean, there's more and more world-class fighters being produced at the championship level. And there are big promoters that are promoting consistently. They have television. And then their fighters are coming over here and, and winning world titles. Um, look, for what it's worth, Australia... Uh, has picked up the pace, uh, you know, in the past couple of years. Look, Joe Parker, you know, he's he's from New Zealand. Uh, his promoter is from New Zealand, but it's all very, you know, they they also have Jeff. You never Warren. know with that with the New Zealand and Australia. Yeah, yeah. I say it's the same, but they seem to they seem to not <laughs> like that. I don't know. I, you know, the the promoters are they're, they're actually all New Zealand, and even Jeff Horn fought, fought the majority of his fights in New Zealand before fighting, you know, coming back and fighting in Brisbane. Um, but uh, the worldwide China. I mean, there's been so many fights in China. Uh, Top Rank has been doing so many fights in Macau, and uh, even Chinese promoters now have been picking up the pace. I mean, look, they have 1.4 billion people 
uh, and they have a lot of fight fans there. Um, Japan is consistent with, you know, churning out the smaller weight classes. Uh, there's just a lot of interest worldwide in seeing these fights. It's it's going to be a fun year. I'm I'm very much looking forward to this. I really enjoy this conversation, Peter. Uh, I hope we can do it again down the line. That'd be uh, that'd absolutely. Be, that'd be great. Um, and that was a fascinating look into where things stand right now. Um, it's going to be an interesting interesting year for. I think this could be a real good turning point year for uh, for boxing. Before you get rid of me here, who are your top five pound for pound? <sighs> oh man! Now that the Spence fight took place. <sighs> I will I never know where to put I see I I think that seeing what Lomachenko's been doing to guys mentally it's like it, it it's a different kind of beatdown that I've been seeing with guys right now so though I think we can question uh well what is the true test he's really facing the fact that he's going in there with guys who are hardened guys and they're just saying man it's not it doesn't feel like they physically can't take it it's like they've never seen a rubik's cube like him before i can't figure him out so i mean if he's not top he's definitely in the he's definitely in probably my top three um right now i got joshua just because he's you know to me heavyweight champion of the world is baddest man on the planet i think that's and 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 the fact that you know he's he has a win like that in a fight of the year that's a big deal to me um you know, Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford. It's tough for me not to have those guys both up there. Um, if I were to put a fifth one in there right now. Does Mikey Garcia make the list? Yeah, Mikey Garcia. I mean, it'd be awesome to see him versus Loma this year, too. If they could ever make that happen, that'd be pretty awesome. You know, uh, I mean, I, I mean, does can, where's Canelo? Canelo and Triple G. Like, it's tough. <laughs> like, I mean, and, and then it's then you think back to their fight and you're just like, well, who do I who do I give the tiebreaker to there? Like, do I go with what I think happened, or do I go with right. what the results are? Um, and I'm one of these guys. I didn't think it was as lopsided as pe- people thought. Like Triple G ran away with it. I yeah. didn't think so. I thought yeah. it, I thought it was actually very close. And I thought that I think I actually ended up it being a draw on my phone when I like I do my stupid scorecard on my phone as right. it goes. So that's you know I probably because one of those guys is they're going to have probably the biggest business fight of the year. Um, I think that counts for something too, you know. So for me, I don't know if I can rank them in any different order, but I put Lomachenko, Anthony Joshua, Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence, Triple G Canelo, one of them in there. So, and I, you know, I know you're short on time here, but I'm kind of interviewing you here for a second because sure. I. So now that you put Joshua in there, does Wild? Why does Wilder not? Is it? I mean, their level of con- Joshua has not had a level of competition. You're right. But to justify to it either. Me, the, the, and that, and, and you, what, a 40-year-old Klitschko? What sucks for Joshua, what sucks for, for Deontay, rather, is a lot of this stuff hasn't been his fault. It's been stuff that's out of his control. Right. Well, he's finally getting Ortiz. He's finally getting him. But, uh, but, I mean, but he also but, had uh, he also had Povetkin. Yep. I mean, these guys failed drug tests. Yeah, these, this isn't his fault. Right. But it's still, you still have to have that signature moment, right? Right. And Joshua has it, and Wilder may get it soon. But for me... It's not there yet, and I'm not like we're 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 cutting it thin here. Like I'm talking like he's top ten. He's still fantastic, but right. I still think that Joshua gets the nod right now. But remember, because he does. pound for pound was created by the sports writers because Sugar Ray Robinson was so dominant. They needed to define something to express how he was the best fighter in the sport. So they created the pound for pound list for him. Yep, and so. Uh, it's a t- that just tells you how uh, how good of a place the sport is in right now that we can't really 
it's even tough to pin down. Pin down a top five. It's, it's tough to pin and, down, and which is a good thing. To Triple G Canelo, as you know, I write um, as part of the Forbes. I also write uh, the Better's Guide, and my best bet of the evening was a draw, at like plus two thousand. Really? Yeah, because I just felt it wasn't inconceivable that that they can both win six rounds each. I think people would have been less outraged if there wasn't the one scorecard being as oh, crazy Oh, Adelaide Bird's scorecard was a little like, bit, was, was off, but take hers out of the way. We would have been more okay with it. Right. It's just where, the it, it was where it was. It seemed like if you have something like that, you're either not watching the fight or you're on the take. Floyd made a career and hundreds of millions of dollars going backwards and counterpunching. Why can't Canelo? I agree. If I you're agree. effective, right? So that's my, my final thought. Peter Kahn, thank you for the time today in studio. Very much enjoyed it. We'll be back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Butters Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Very excited to be joined by our next guest, Layla Ali. She has a new book that came out this week, Food for Life. Layla, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, why the decision to come out with the cookbook? Well, a lot of people don't realize, obviously, I've been cooking since I was like 9 or 10 years old. Um, cooking before I was boxing. So people are like, what? You're cooking now? No, I've been cooking. Um, you know, over the years, people have seen me possibly compete on the Food Network, on Chopped, and win that a couple times, and judging other shows. So cooking has always been a passion of mine. And I finally decided to go ahead and put the book together. And I've been working on it for a couple years now, so I'm super excited about it. Um, and I've taken my love for food and comfort food and soul food and all these things that we love, but preparing them in a healthier way that are more nutritious for you. So um, I think it's, it's great so far. It's doing really, really well, and I'm just excited that people are embracing it. That's awesome. I, I have I, You see, my wife and I, we seem like we, uh, we go through the same routine of things every single week. Could I, give me not, if you could give me one off the top of your head that I could bring home today, impress be like where, where did you learn that I mean, like it's a it's a secret between us like what is a what would be a go-to one that's easy enough for me because i'm not i'm no i'm no chef genius okay, like okay. you okay no that's easy that's but, uh, easy so but, what, but it could what, impress do you have kids yes okay so it needs to be for the whole family i would say my loaded turkey tacos they would love that's like total crowd pleaser pleaser easy and um there's some surprises in there for the kids they don't even know are there that, that help get your kids to eat some vegetables so i would try those for sure. Or my oven fried chicken wings are absolutely amazing as well that everyone would love. So there's a lot of recipes in there, I think, that, that will work, but that are easy for you as well. We're talking to Layla Ali. Now, Layla, you were born down here in Miami. Did you grow up or, or spend any childhood down here in Miami or just born? I didn't. My father was training for a fight, and my mom had me there in Miami. And as soon as I was, as soon as I was old enough to get on the plane, and obviously his training camp was over, um, we went back to L.A. So probably 30 days, within 30 days. Uh, you know, I was I was out of there. Yeah, well, I remember like reading about your father and and doing a lot of the early early training here. Did he uh, did he share any any stories of his time down here with you? No, he loved Miami. I mean, how can you not? It was such a beautiful place, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, in training camp, it's already tough. And it's nice when you have beautiful surroundings, wonderful people, good food. You know, he used to train at a Fifth Street gym, so I could see why he liked it there. Because every time I come to Miami, I'm like, man, I could live here. Nice. What is uh what what has this part of your your life been like in comparison to training as a professional athlete and being as great as you were? Are you enjoying more of the uh, the culinary creativity and all that stuff, or or do you ever miss 
you know, the grind of training and, and putting your body through that to, to get it prepared for boxing? I love it. I mean, I love both. It's hard. I can't compare and say I like one more than the other. You know, I was in my young 20s when I was fighting, um, and that was like my first, first love to say. You know, and sometimes I say cooking was my first love, but I mean professionally, um, boxing was my first love. And, um, you know, the training was tough, obviously. You didn't always love it, but that part was part of it. And I still incorporate uh, fitness into my life. You know, I still, you know, I'm not actually sparring, but I, I hit the heavy bag as part of my, my workout rotation. But um, so I definitely miss it. Um, you know, I miss my body at that time, too. It was totally different. But um, I'm 40 now, um, and I'm at a new phase in my life. I, have, I don't feel 40. I don't look 40. So that's great. That's why I can be so confident saying it. <laughs> but I think it's because of over the years taking care of myself, not abusing my body, eating good foods, um, drinking a lot of water having a healthy lifestyle, and then now being a mom to two children, having my husband, you know, I love cooking for my family. It's like, trust me, if dinner's not on the table at 6 o'clock, my family's looking at me like, Mom, when is dinner going to be ready? So it's like just part of my everyday life, and I love it. Do you, uh, Are your kids at the age yet where they know uh, what their mom used to do? Because that's a, that's a pretty cool thing to have your mother yeah, be one of the baddest uh, women on the planet. They do know um, because they, you know, they're at an age now when they go to school, their friends are asking them questions and saying, well, my mom said that your mom, you know, and then, but they, they already knew, but I don't think that they, they knew on the level that it was. And I've started showing them now video because sometimes I'll just be watching old videos and they come in the room and they're like, oh my God, my son's eyes light up. And I say, well, how does that make you feel? And he's like, <laughs> it's not, I think it makes him feel kind of weird to see me beating up on people, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> he doesn't really like watching it. So, I mean, I wish I understand. We're talking to Layla. You were talking to Layla Ali. You guys can get her new book out, cookbook, Food for Life. It came out this week. It's 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 flying off the shelves. She's already given suggestions of what uh, what would be fantastic to bring uh, for your family home. But you guys want to get the whole collection. Layla, you've been obviously doing a lot of media for the book, so I'm sure you're getting asked a thousand questions, and you never know with the with the way snippets are how they get taken out. So you were you were doing a radio interview this week, and uh, you mentioned Clarissa Shields, and I thought your your uh, your praise for her it seemed pretty complimentary, but she seemed to take it the wrong way, um, because she tweeted out uh, that she went and, and listened to this interview on the Breakfast Club, and she felt there was some disrespect and shade, uh, and she says, "My only thing is it only takes a phone call to rumble." Uh, are you surprised she took uh, your your comments wrong, and uh, do you have any interest in fighting her? Oh, I don't even—I didn't even realize that she had tweeted that. That's interesting. It's interesting about phone calls too, because she has my number. Really? Um, let's take a pause right there. Hmm. She has my number, so you know, anytime there's an issue, best thing to do is call. But the thing is this: Clarissa is a young girl, and like you said, I did give her some love. But the thing is, is that when I talk about me and my career, it has nothing to do with anybody else. Mm -hmm. So sometimes. People take offense to certain things. I'm not sure what she took offense to that I said. Possibly when I said there isn't any competition out there for me because um, I was asked would I come back. So maybe, you know, she wanted me to say, oh, yeah, there's Clarissa Shields out there. What do you think would have happened if I would have said that? Uh, I'm sure. If I would have said, oh, yeah, there's a girl out there. And then the next thing you would hear is Layla's fighting Clarissa Shields, right? Yeah. And that's actually well, not the case. I'm, I'm, so, so you always have to be careful in the way that you say things, but... I think that no matter what I say, it's always going to get turned into something else. So, you know, I'm retired from boxing. I've, I've been retired since 2007. Yeah, I so mean, you're, you're it, cooking, it, you're, you're doing bigger, you're Yeah, I mean, come on. Get... I mean, I've been retired since 2007, but that just goes to show 
how there just isn't really much there when you got to try to bring me back into it or get offended by something that I say. And the thing is, is that, and this is not just to her, it's to anybody. When I say that no woman can beat me, when I say that, it has absolutely nothing to do with any particular individual. That's just what I've been saying since the beginning of my career. So, and that's the way that, well, that's what I'm always going to say. So, you know, you really want to focus on who's in front of you now, your, your career now, because I'm totally out of the game. You know what I'm saying? So it is what it is, you know, but like I said, I'm not really worried about it. I hate to have any back and forth with, with um, someone that I'm not even really concerned about, but Clarissa has my number, you know, so especially since she mentioned a phone call, you know, so it's all good. It's easy enough it's for her. Um, Layla, I was a big fan of the, the Apprentice season you were on. I, I got I got roped in because I was a big fan of Chael Son and I love mixed martial arts and boxing. Uh, do you have any good stories from, from your time on The Apprentice? I enjoyed that season. With Chael or just in general? Uh, if you have a Chael Sonnen story, I'd love that one. Chael was funny as heck because, you know, we're both fighters, so he was, like, sizing me up. We're sizing each other up. And I remember the first um, – the first time I was project manager, he was project manager. You know, we had our little words behind the scenes, and it was just like, oh, no, boo, boo you're not going to win. You know, so we were going hard. I know that when he lost, it was he took it hard. <laughs> but um, I, I, I love Chell because Chell was such a character on the show, you know, and um, he was he was funny. He wasn't taking it too seriously, but he, he, he was like the, the – um, I don't even know what to call him, but he was like the one that you didn't trust. I was like, I told the ladies, do not trust Chell, you know, because <laughs> he's like all is fair in war, and that's how we are as fighters. So, but no, he's a great guy. We actually, I host um, my show, Layla Ali Lifestyle, on Podcast One, and he has his show. So, um, you know, and I know he just won. He did, he did an amazing job, so I'm super excited for him. It's, it's always nice to see someone work hard and for it to pay off. So, love Chell. Layla, thank you for the time. Really appreciate it. Best of luck with the book and, and all the media that and promotion going on the rest of the week. Thank you for spending time with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, and thanks for making me aware of that tweet. I better watch I will, my back. I will. You're at it. So <laughs> you got all that busy stuff coming this week. Check it out. All right. Thank you. All right. That's Layla Ali. She can, uh, you can get her book, Food for Life. It is out this week. Uh, very much enjoyed that conversation. Everybody have a fantastic week. We will talk to you same time, same place next Sunday. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.